Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 37. This is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other little tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. This episode's being recorded on Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018, but will be released on Thursday, October 4th, 2018. So visit pixelswim.com for all of the show notes and social links if you'd like to follow along. Or uh, all the show notes should be in your podcast app too if you just swipe over or whatever you got to do <laughs> in your podcast app to see all the show notes and the links and, and such that I talk about here. So let's dive in <laughs> to the weekly notes, feedback, and links. Uh, I've kind of been not following the format where I share a bunch of links and feedback and then go into some main topics. So we'll just, we'll, yeah, we'll continue to call this the weekly notes, feedback, and links section. But usually it gets filled up in my notes here. So it's kind of becoming the show. So, but I do talk in length about the things that I talk about. <laughs> so articulate. Anyway, um, let's just get going on these things here. So the first thing on the agenda is I want to thank Mike Latori for his feedback on Twitter this last week. Uh, I had posted about the notification for my uh, on my LG G6. Uh, it's a Bluetooth notification, a persistent notification on the G6 for uh, for Bluetooth for when you have Bluetooth on and you are connected to a device, it will show both uh, it'll in the notification itself. I talked about this last week in the notification itself. It will show uh, it will let you select where you want the audio to output to. So you can stay connected to your Bluetooth device, but say you want to go to another room and you're listening to a podcast or a speaker currently in one room. What I do is I switch the audio back to the LG G6's speaker and uh, I go do what I need to do so I can listen to, the pod to a podcast from the speaker while I walk around. And then when I get back to my desk with my Bluetooth speaker, I just uh, tap the notification. You can tap the Bluetooth device and it'll switch it right back to it. So uh, this is nice because it kind of solves the problem of, of having to disconnect to, you know, reroute the audio. And so I, and I did notice that if you are connected, you can connect to multiple Bluetooth speakers. And if you are connected, it will show all of the connected speaker devices in the notification that the persistent notification that shows up. And this is just an LG's Oreo version of Android. So it's just a nice feature to have in in the notification shade. Like I, I like I mentioned last time it. At first, I wasn't too keen on it, but I actually have a use case for it. So very cool of LG to add <laughs> and to add that into their features. So but also in that conversation I had with Mike on Twitter, we uh, he had mentioned uh, the Q6. Uh, he's he had wondered if the Q6 would have gotten this uh, feature. And actually, my wife's Q6 just updated to Oreo. So I had the Q6 at one point, I got rid of it, now I'm on the G6, uh, but she still uses the Q6, and about a week ago, it got the update for Oreo, and so I decided to test test this out after our little tweet tweet conversation uh, with Mike. So uh, I did check it on the Q6, unfortunately it doesn't, it doesn't offer the same feature, uh, it doesn't have that Bluetooth notification to switch between devices, I'm guessing it's some sort of hardware thing uh, because the Q6 is a, a low mid mid to low end device so it just didn't offer the it doesn't offer that unfortunately but yeah I thought it was kind of cool that the that the Q6 even got the Oreo update which is pretty cool uh, of, of LG to do that that I've been you know impressed fairly impressed with LG's update process then again I'm used to like getting no updates ever so from uh, some other devices but I think that's improving uh, across the board with manufacturers it seems like they're all trying to push out some sort of updates even if it's just security updates but yeah I thought it was kind of cool that the Q6 is on Oreo now the G6 I have is on Oreo and so and I know I know Pi is out now but 
you know, we take the updates that you can get. It's not that out of date. And, and updates to me aren't a huge deal. It's nice to have the security updates, but as long as everything's working in the system, then I don't have an issue with um, it not getting the latest Android. It used to be a thing way back when I first started using Android on Android 1.5. It was it was kind of crucial to me to have the latest and greatest Android because there was so many things that were missing. You know, I feel like there's not much that's missing from Android anymore. It's just these features really that you you wait for, you know. So I I think that that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with updates. So uh, happy to see Oreo on these and yeah, I'm enjoying it and uh, hopefully they'll keep the security updates coming. Don't care if they have pie on these or not. Honestly, I don't know if I want them to do to to do pie, to put pie or develop pie for the these the LG's six devices, <laughs> the Q6 and the G6. I just I think that that's going to be pushing a little bit with the, the hardware, but we'll see. I know I know there's usually optimizations for older hardware, but to me, it always seems like it just there's always something that runs a little bit slower. But anyway, I digress. Uh, uh, but still on the subject of my LG G6, I uh, got a you know a bunch of phone stuff talking about right now. So uh, I just wanted to what was I was looking the other day and I realized I hadn't restarted my phone. The L, I hadn't restarted the G6 in about 20 days uh, because I haven't had any reason to. <laughs> uh, there hasn't really been any slowdowns. That hasn't been buggy or laggy. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's on almost 20 days without restarting the phone and everything run is running pretty, pretty good. So it was crazy. I uh, just went into the settings now, the status for the it's under hardware info about phone hardware info. And so, yeah, the uptime is 478 hours, 39 minutes and 25 seconds as of this exact moment right here. So, uh, yeah, that's almost 20 days of use without restarting it, which to me, that kind of tells me how far Android has come. Um, maybe this is LG's iteration on it, but usually I always find a reason or feel like I need to restart an Android device usually every few days. And so the fact that it's been almost 20 days and I haven't even had the urge because I don't see any any issues is a good thing. So happy. <laughs> That's a really, yeah, it's impressive. Android has gotten so much better. And uh, really, if you're, you're upset with Android these days, you're probably nitpicking a little bit um, other than the fact that <laughs> other than all that Google stuff that I talk about, about uh, privacy and all your data being siphoned away. But that's kind of a given with Android. But on a stability side, I feel like it's gotten much better. So it's I'm just happy to report that I'm going to I don't know if I'm going to restart the, the device anytime soon. It might be the next update whenever that comes. So uh, I might have to wait a month. Maybe I'll see how many days I can get out of leaving this thing on. So. I also got my Anchor Qi charger in. I think I mentioned last time that it was coming in. And yeah, that uh, it's a it's a fast charger, uh, a Qi fast charger. So I, it, I don't think it's as fast as a wired connection, but it's still much faster than the other Qi charger I had, which was like a really basic one uh, for probably more for like the early, like the, the Lumia devices, like the 920 and stuff. Uh, you know, it doesn't charge very fast, very trickle, very much a trickle charge. And so this anchor one that I got is really nice. Yeah, it definitely charged the phone up much quicker. And so when I'm working during the day, I just set it on there and I'm topped up for, you know, throughout the day when I move around or have to go somewhere at the end of the day, I don't have to worry about the battery life. So that's really been nice. It's been it's perfect. It, it really kind of solves the problem of having an issue with the battery life, which I talked about <laughs> in the past, you know, but the G6, right after I got it, I was ready to get rid of it because, oh, my God, I'm watching the battery drain. And so that, like I said, that's all it did. It's all it has solved the problem because usually I just listen to music or a podcast during the day. And so, it, you know, I'm not using the phone during that time because I'm on my laptop. So it's just sitting there charging up, topping up. So 
and that yeah it's been working well uh the g6 has been it's been fitting with me <laughs> quite a bit much like the moto g third gen did which i've talked about in past two yeah i think i'm kind of in in it for the long haul it seems like on this moto moto <laughs> the lg g6 and so uh with that said i actually uh, I think I talked a little bit about this on the last episode about replacing the battery. Uh, Mike had Mike Latori had also mentioned this on Twitter to if I do end up replacing the battery to let him know how, let him know how it goes because uh, he's looking you know potentially the G6 could be a device he looks at getting. So uh, depending on how difficult it is to change the battery, so I had decided after I've you know been using this G6 for a little while now. Well, at least 20 days, <laughs> according to the uptime. But because the device has been so nice and I've liked it so much, I decided that I prob- I'm, I'm going to get a new, even if I don't do it right away, I'm going to get a new battery in. I'm going to order a new battery. And also because the G6 that I got off of eBay, it everything on it looks mint condition except the fingerprint sensor slash power button on the back and the lens cover on the cameras the both of those have little cracks in them yeah not scratches they are they are definitely cracks but they're nothing that uh impedes the operation of the device so there are some cracks on the camera lens cover but they're off in the bottom corner so they they don't distort the photos at all you don't i don't haven't noticed anything at all so you can kind of see i can kind of see that they are not really in the way of any of the lenses themselves so that's not a big deal but uh the fingerprint scanner has some cracking on it too and so what i did was i also because i'm going to be opening i am going to open this thing up and replace the battery at some point so there were options on ebay to purchase the lens cover and the fingerprint sensor separate Uh, i think it was like six bucks for the fingerprint sensor and then another few dollars for the camera lens cover. But uh, watching some of the repair videos, uh, specifically the Jerry Rig Everything, where he, it's kind of one of those weird ones, or it was a weird one because he was at LG's headquarters uh, tearing down this device. So uh, you get a really good look at what, uh, how he took it apart and then what's inside. So I could have purchased those separately, uh, but I, I was afraid because... How it works on this G6 and the only reason I one of the reasons I bought it and the only reason I would even attempt the battery replacement uh, because the back of it is glass. But the reason I would attempt the battery replacement is because you don't have to remove the screen. Uh, You it's actually you open up the back of the device, which is glass, which is a little sensitive, but at least it's not the screen. And there's a very, you know, and I was talking to Mike on Twitter about this, about it's a very, you know, expensive. (laughs) <laughs> a mistake if you slide something under the glass while you're trying to get the adhesive up you know if you and you nick something that you can't even see that uh it's just not worth it when i opened up my wife's old lg or i'm sorry moto g third gen i opened up the front glass because the speaker was broken on it so i was going to open up and just you know take a look inside the phone we didn't need the device anymore so uh, it was, was much wasn't much risk there, but the screen has to come off. And so you I have a heat gun. And so I heated up the screen, uh, managed to, you know, f- kind of get it up and everything was moving or being removed. I could, you know, slowly removing the adhesive, peeling it up from the adhesive. And I nicked something, you know, I just put the 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 playing card that I was using. I put it just a little bit too far inside and it nicked something on the LCD. Uh, panel and it totally <laughs> destroyed the or it didn't destroy it just uh, it broke the display so the display didn't work anymore and so that's yeah on this G the LG G6 it's just the back that comes off and if you see if you watch any of the videos of uh, the teardown of the G the G6 you can see that the back there's no cables or anything connected to the back piece either so like when you open it up you don't have to be careful and and fold it like a book because there's some sort of cable connector you know connected to the motherboard it's all one piece that just rests on top of some pin connectors 
the fingerprint sensor rests on top of some pin connectors. So basically, I got it off of eBay. Instead of trying to take off the back glass and then remove the camera lens cover and the fingerprint sensor, because those are both glued on as well. So, uh, you know, the, the, the probability of me breaking the back glass, one, breaking the back glass, and then two, uh, completely just destroying things, trying to peel off the old fingerprint sensor and camera cover, camera lens cover, uh, there's a high probability that I would have, you know. Um, so what I decided to do was on eBay, they sell an entire back unit, back glass unit with fingerprint sensor and camera lens already installed on it. Uh, it said new OEM, so I'm assuming that it is. Uh, I did get it in this week. Uh, I haven't done anything with it yet because I'm still waiting on a couple. On, uh, I got a little toolkit smartphone repair kit just a you know for three bucks or something on ebay uh, i i know there's nice kits out there i've got all of the torque screwdrivers or whatever that you need i've got all the tiny little t5 and tiny little phillips and all of those screwdrivers already so i just needed kind of the pry stuff and then a little suction cup to pull you know to for leverage on the back of the the glass and stuff so uh, once i get that in uh, I did, like I said, I ordered an entire back glass section. Uh, I'll put a link in the description so you can see what that looks like. It comes with the uh, comes with new adhesive on the back of it, which is really nice. And it's just, you know, for it, it was a little bit more than just replace. You know, if I had bought the fingerprint scanner and and camera glass cover or camera lens glass cover. Uh, it was more expensive, but it's going to be way easier when it comes time. So basically, I'm just going to have to peel off the back or heat up the back, heat up the adhesive, peel it off, uh, peel off the old glass and everything on the back. And and then I'm going to replace the battery, which I got a new battery for it in for the G6. And so once I go in there, I'm going to you know follow all the, the, the teardown instructions once I get the back glass off. It's pretty straightforward and then uh, swap out the battery and then put on the new glass back with new fingerprint scanner and and all that stuff so uh, fingers crossed on that I'm gonna I'll let everybody know how that goes especially Mike who asked about it like I said I wouldn't attempt it if it was gonna be any more difficult than it is so we shall see <laughs> we shall see uh, how that goes um, but Again, like I said, if it was more difficult, I wouldn't do it. But also, if I didn't like the device, I wouldn't even try it either. So definitely in it for the long haul, it seems, on this G6. It, it seems to be the device for me. So I'm looking forward to, to doing it. I do like to tinker in open devices. I have repaired. Uh, technically, I've only really repaired, had to repair one other device in the past. It was the it was the Nexus S. I, I had to do a repair on the the SIM card tray in the Nexus S because what had happened is I had a SIM card that I had cut down and so it, I had to put it in an adapter to put it back into the Nexus S and so the adapter did, wasn't that great and the when I pulled out the SIM card with the with the adapter on it it had broken the pins inside the Nexus S so that phone was much easier to repair. It was all, you know, screwed on. So you just had to unscrew everything and and swap out that that SIM card tray. So I'm not adverse to to trying to fix devices. I've kind of mentioned it in the past that I, you know, repairability is important to me. So I'm not a big fan of these having to take off these adhesive, the adhesive on these things. But it is what it is. So uh, it, it's doable. It looks like it should be doable. So fingers crossed on that, and I'll try and <laughs> report back what happens. Okay, so today, as I'm recording this, this is October 3rd, uh, Wednesday. Uh, there was a, here in the U.S., uh, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure many people noticed it, there was a presidential alert uh, text message that went out to, uh, I'm guessing, almost everybody in the U.S. who has, who are, connected their device is connected to pretty much every major carrier over here in the US and so there was a test of the of a presidential alert system 
So I'm going to put a link to FEMA.gov. This was an emergency alert test. So FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Agency here in the U.S. And they did this in coordination with the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, and they conducted a nationwide test of the wireless emergency alerts and emergency alert system. So I noticed it, it came through on my device with, it actually says presidential alert as the contact. So I don't know how they did that exactly. I'm not sure how they set that. Usually it's just, you know, one of those short code numbers, you know, one, two, one, two, one, two, or, you know, from something like that. But this literally says presidential alert as the contact name. And it says, this is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is required. So I did read about this yesterday. <laughs> Thank God I read about it yesterday because probably would have freaked me out a lot more. I'm sure a lot of people were freaked out who did not know this, that this uh, message was coming. And even though it says it's a test, it's just kind of a an odd, odd thing, you know, uh, to see. But uh, hopefully it'll be a good thing in the future. Hopefully this, uh, politically, this won't be a way to you know, do bad things <laughs> or put out bad information, but we shall see. Um, uh, it kind of just, uh, you know, another step in, in technology, uh, the, the fact that the government's using a national alert system probably be a good thing. It's a, I mean, in theory, it's a good thing. So we shall see. Uh, I just wanted to mention it because it was kind of an odd tech thing that happened this week. And hopefully that's the last message we ever need to receive uh, for these for a national emergency. But there's a link in the show notes to the FEMA.gov uh, page that explains this more in depth. But I just thought I would mention it. All right. So moving on to the next thing here, I just wanted to issue an apology to all the Windows Phone fans out there that listen to this uh, that because I really haven't mentioned Windows Phone lately. I've been really using my Android devices, whether it be the my my testing of the device that I have that's uh, Android without Google or if it's my LG G6, which I clearly have gone on and on about the past few episodes. But uh, yeah, I haven't forgotten about my Windows phones. I just I really haven't used them in a little while. But I have thought about uh, and I and this kind of goes in the face of of all the the rabbit hole that I've been going down of trying to get all of my data away from third party services. Uh, that's just going to be an ongoing thing. But I had, did think about because I was thinking about Windows phones this week, I uh, was thinking about Microsofting my <laughs> my LG G6, where essentially you install all the Microsoft services and the, the Microsoft launcher, which got a big update. Uh, apparently this week and you basically use it as kind of a Microsoft Android device with your Outlook and and OneNote and all all of their their services and OneDrive and all that but I think Steve's Steve Litchfield has posted about this on all about Windows Phone about setting up a device with all of Microsoft's uh, services and kind of in my words, Microsofting <laughs> a device, uh, which, you know, it's not getting away from third party services, but uh, at least it's not Google. And if you're a Windows phone person and you're on their ecosystem of Outlook and, and all the other Microsoft stuff, then it's not a bad idea to, you know, set all that up and maybe you'll feel a little bit more at home on Android. I know on all about Windows Phone, there's been a lot or he's uh, Steve Litchfield has posted a little bit about the reason that he covers Android, some Android devices there, even if it's in the camera head to head head to head articles, pixel peeping articles. He usually covers them because it's kind of a, a given that, you, you know, if you're using Windows Phone now, you might want to start looking towards another device. So it's good to see what devices are out there and stuff like that. But and Microsofting your device is definitely possible. And I know there's like a Microsoft or like a tiles launcher that kind of sets up the Android device look to look like the Windows phone or Windows mobile start screen. I tried it out <laughs> a little bit and I wasn't a huge fan of it. It's just it's still even though it looks very, very similar, it's still just not the same. Um, 
but it works for some people, which is great. But we'll see if I if I end up Microsofting my LG G6 and who knows. Um, for now, I'm just really stuck on all of Google stuff and I still have, you know, I'm, I'm signed up for all the Microsoft stuff, but I don't know if I can. I, I tried once in the past to kind of make the switch over to the Outlook email and, and contacts and all that stuff, but uh, it might be worth trying again, uh, even though it's still a third party. Uh, it's still always kind of I've, I've always kind of wanted to switch everything over. You know, if I hadn't started with Android first, I probably would have gone down the Microsoft route. But um, it's something to keep in the back of my head or well, it's moving its way to the front of my head to to try out on this uh, G6. But I did uh, see also this week that Microsoft had a, a Surface event for uh, announcing all of their new kind of Surface devices, which one of them, one of the things was uh, headphones, Surface headphones. And those look pretty cool. Uh, obviously, they're really expensive. I think they're $350 or something like that. Uh, which is very expensive for me for headphones, but uh, they look like Surface headphones. I mean, they Microsoft really has that Surface line and branding and style and design down where it's, you know, with that, that, that's that gray that they use, the silver and the gray, and it's a very distinguishable brand. And obviously Microsoft has... I think they need to keep investing in that hardware. I think they're doing a great job with that because they also came out with the new Surface Pro. Uh, I've never really been too keen on the Surface Pro. I kind of am a laptop person. So uh, the idea of having it, it just I just don't know if it would work for for what I want, but uh, not that I would turn one down, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they also came out with a new Surface Laptop, Surface Laptop 2, I believe it is, and it comes in a nice black color now, <laughs> which looks really nice. And I've actually looked at the Surface Laptop recently because it is it does look like a nice device. So the specs on it is are the one thing that I kind of am hesitant on because I do want a nice uh, graphics card in my I need a nice graphics card in my PC to run all of my uh, Adobe applications and 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 stuff like that. So I need lots of RAM, nice, nice processor and, and nice GPU as well. But I just really like the look and the design and the style of the Surface laptop. You know, maybe it's maybe it's just an aesthetics thing. You know, maybe it's uh, surface level stuff. But I, I, st I you know, I, st I have my eye on it. I think it's a really nice and a sharp looking device. So I think I can make it work. The Surface Book would probably work better for me. But I, I do like the looks of the Surface laptop. But I also knew uh, there was another... Surface Studio that Microsoft came out with, which looks really awesome. Um, if I had more a better desk setup here, it would be potential, you know, potential to look at at something like that. I mean, the screen's huge. I think I saw in in Gadget or something like that. It's like <laughs> the graphic designer's dream computer kind of a thing. And so, you know, essentially, because it's got a nice tilt on it, a big touch screen tilt, you know, and you can use the the knob or whatever the, whatever it's called uh, on it, um, which is, you know, interesting. But it, I mean, it's ridiculously expensive. I think I saw thirty five hundred dollars, uh, which is crazy. But I did see that they will have a Microsoft is go, looks like they're going to offer some sort of financing or payment plan uh, like a surface pass or something like that, that will basically let you make payments on your surface device which is a really cool idea i mean obviously that's <laughs> yeah I, I don't know what the minimum payments were the one i saw was starting at 24 dollars or something like that so i imagine that's not for the surface studio i imagine the surface studio is probably pretty expensive but it get you know it kind of opens up the options for anybody looking at the surface studio which you know i'm not not looking at it. <laughs> so a uh, lot of cool devices. I really like the the style and the design of all the Surface stuff. And I think everything that they announced was, 
you know, right in line with everything, uh, even if it some of it was kind of incremental. So, uh, of course, the biggest omission from this Surface event, <laughs> which is the thing that every Windows phone person has been screaming for, you know, since God, for year for a few years now, uh, since the nine Lumia nine fifty range for a Surface phone. There was no Surface phone announced at the Surface event. On uh, yet another missed opportunity or missed another event passes us by where we don't get a Surface phone. But I mean, that would be something. I you know, I would definitely buy a Surface phone. I would. I I just. I don't know <laughs> how much it would cost or if it would be any good, but I feel like I just I would have to buy the Surface phone because it's see like loving the Surface line and the look and the branding of the Surface line. I would have to I would have to 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 make that to make that purchase, uh, even if I had to, you know, sell a kidney or something. <laughs> So, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the Windows phone, Windows mobile people out there. Um, I haven't forgotten about <laughs> Windows uh, mobile. I just haven't been that much into it lately. Every once in a while, I'll get the urge to just go back, you know. And so I've got a few devices on hand to do that. Uh, if you want to simplify your life these days, <laughs> get a Windows mobile device because you're not going to be able to do to do as much so anyway here's to all the people still rocking the windows phones out there all right so i wanted to also thank uh ian barton for his feedback on uh, a couple of the episodes uh episode 35 and 36 well 36 that was the last one so uh he mentioned on episode 35 because i talked about uh podcast apps he mentioned the playback position syncing in Pocket Casts. So essentially, you can pick up and play like you're listening to a podcast and you switch to your computer, you switch to another device. Everything is synced, uh, everything, including your playback position. And so you can essentially, you know, pick up where you left off on any device. And so, yeah, that's a really great feature, um, especially even from a backup perspective, say you refresh your device, uh, you sign back into Pocket Casts upon uh, setting it up again, and everything's back where it was. So really cool feature. Uh, for me, I actually pretty much only listen to podcasts on one device, and that's my whatever my main phone is. So uh, it's not a feature I, I would use in everyday use it would just be nice to have it synced back up uh, again I, I don't know a ton about pocket casts uh, I did mention I think that the I did mention the syncing last time but I didn't mention the specific playback position syncing so again just a, a great feature thanks Ian for pointing that out but uh, more importantly Ian reported back on episode 36 and he was basically saying he was surprised to hear that I don't use Git. Uh, he says, in his um, humble opinion, uh, it's almost essential for tracking changes to your site and enabling you to easily revert stuff when you mess up. So, yeah, that's definitely something that I can <laughs> get behind. You know, over the years, as far as my web development, I am definitely more front end. I don't know... It's not that I don't know backend stuff, but I definitely have way more expertise in front end web design and, and, and a little bit of development. And so when it comes to stuff like Git and setting up a, an environment and, and putting together all of the, you know, all of the, the right way to set up website development, it's not something that I've <laughs> really done in the past uh we're at where i work now i learned on the job all of my web development my front-end web design stuff along with uh, a lot of php and back-end and database stuff so i never really was have been set up in a sort of a development environment it's always been just editing the files directly on ftp uh, via ftp and so um I know that this is a terrible idea. You know, I, I get why Git exists, 
but and at the same time, I really didn't know. I still haven't quite wrapped my head around how to set up Git and to use GitHub and and stuff like that. But uh, thank you, Ian, for reaching out because you really kind of spurred me to really learn more about how to set it up. I'm going to try and figure out how to set up a Git connection repository (laughs) again i'm i still don't quite my have my head wrapped around git and how to set it up and use it and work work it so but i did notice on my shared web hosting on stablehost there is git there's like a git option on there i think where you can set up a repository that lives on your shared hosting which I think is pretty cool. So I wouldn't need to use GitHub then to host the files. I could host files on my on my server and then connect via my Windows machine to those files. So and again, I still don't know quite how all of the versioning works uh, and, and stuff like that. But I have made it my mission to figure that out because I think it is a, a good practice to do that. And then also Ian mentioned that he uses a static site generator uh, or he mentioned static site site generators uh, such as Nicola or Pelican. And I actually looked into both of those and it seems like those are both written in Python, which I do not know <laughs> almost at all. So I, I have worked with uh, static site. Uh, I don't know if they're static site generators uh, so much as what I refer to them as and what I've seen them as is and I don't know if they're different or not but a flat file CMS and so essentially it's just a bunch of static files and then there's uh, the ones that I have used were, were based on PHP and so basically it's just a bunch of files and folders and then there's some core PHP files um, in whatever sort of system that you're code setup that you've you're working with and it basically identifies all the files and you know does some dynamic stuff with all the files and the folders and the content and stuff like that so i'm i'm gonna look into that too because there's huge advantages to that that's something that i've always wanted to kind of switch pixel swim over to uh, as far as the pixelswim.com website because it's so much faster uh i i don't I, you know, uh, <laughs> it's funny because Ian said if, I, if I'm not addicted to the WordPress Kool-Aid that I can, you know, static site generators like Nicola or Pelican would be a good idea. Uh, and so WordPress has its place. And there's a reason that I've used WordPress for so long because it, there's it's such, you know, there's such a huge community around it. There's so many solution ready made solutions out there. And you become familiar with it, uh, but it is big and it's clunky and it's based off of MySQL databases or MySQL, whatever you want to call it. And I know that it, the performance isn't as good as a, a straight up static website because it just, you know, a static website just loads very, very fast with very, very, very minimal lag. Uh, with WordPress, you've got, you know, dynamic data loading all over the place and of course you can cache it and stuff like that but it's just a lot i i love the idea of just a flat file website something that is just files that are loading you know uh basic html and so i've actually been looking at the i i was kind of looking into this a little bit because i was trying to learn more about uh git and setting that up on my windows machine which i installed the all of the Git stuff onto my Windows machine to, and I, I just haven't connected it to any repository yet, but I was kind of researching these flat file CMSs and I came across one called Yellow. It's by a, a Swedish developer called Datenstrom and it is just a basic flat file CMS, but uh, it, it, all of the pages are based off of Markdown. And so basically, if you don't know what Markdown is for, (laughs) well, first of all, uh, if you're not sure about any sort of HTML coding or web development, then this none of this will make sense. But uh, Markdown is essentially just a, a plain sort of a plain text way to set up a web page. And so you can format your basic text 
to be processed by this uh, Markdown script into standardized HTML. And so it's just a really nice way to make some cl to make clean HTML for your web pages. And so this yellow uh, CMS uses Markdown for the main portion of pages. And so it's it's I'm just, you know, because it's a flat file system, they're so easy to try and test out. You essentially download their their file system and then just upload those files to your server. And it, you can almost instantly start using it. And so some nice things about this yellow flat file CMS is there is some basic, basic admin stuff you can do. So if you log in to, you can set up a login and a password for this uh, for your site. And it will let you edit the pages right from the pages. Uh, because it's marked down, it's really easy to pull up the edit window and and put in some some markdown code or whatever you want to call it, markdown content and uh, and then save it right there on the page which i think kind of flies in the face of all that git stuff because it goes directly onto the server but uh either way that's kind of nice but it also it's just really it's been really easy to figure out their templating system and uh how do you edit the the look and the feel as well as uh, create custom templates and it's it's been really nice and and simple to use so if you're for some reason looking <laughs> or just happen to be looking for a flat file or a static website kind of generator then this is uh it's a good one um i just happened to come across it off of a list of other ones and kind of ran with it a little bit and I think I'm just going to stick with it because I think I can make it work for Pixel Swim. So essentially it's just like I said earlier it's just made up of files and folders and then there's a folder called content and then uh, you can put subfolders in there uh, for sections of your website and then there's literally just uh, text files in those folders and so your page is say you have a home folder for your home page then there's a page.txt file in there and then in that page.txt file is your markdown and so you just it's simple to to edit and add content and i have it all nicely marked up and very fast i'll put a link to the this the the yellow cms <laughs> flat file cms in the show notes so you, uh, you can check that out and kind of get a better idea what i'm talking about so if anybody else, if you're lost on all this and you're just like what the what what are you talking about man then that's okay too but i would check out the links just so you can kind of get an idea of what it of what all this stuff is because i'm kind of going down this route of wanting to kind of declutter the pixel swim website kind of get it off of wordpress and remove all the unnecessary junk in the javascript i'm trying to do the website without any javascript or any unnecessary code or tracking or stuff like that which is going to be difficult because i use the discuss commenting system on my website and that in itself brings in a bunch of tracking code and stuff like that. I don't think any of it's malicious, but I just would prefer not to have it on there. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I may I may stick with the the discus thing because I have used it for a while and I can you can kind of there's a trust there. But other than that, I just kind of want to get my website down to bare bones, super fast loading uh html css and uh you know with this this yellow flat file cms i feel like i can i can do that because i can create custom templates and uh, my one other thing that i that i need to figure out is how i want to set up my podcast feed so hopefully i'm trying to make it so nothing will change so you don't have to worry about the url of the podcast feed but we'll see about that but anyway um i'm continuously going to be working on trying to make the site faster and i know it's pretty fast now on wordpress but there's again there's just a lot going on in the back end uh that i i really enjoy a simple setup i think that's the best way if you, if possible to put together a website simpler simpler the better
But yeah, check out some of the links in the show notes for for that CMS that I was talking about, the yellow one. And yeah, I'm going to keep going with that. All right. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, because Google turned 20 this week, I think it was. Uh, Yeah, Google's 20th anniversary was this week. And so or five days ago, I believe. And which is crazy to think. I feel like Google, (laughs) honestly, it feels like they've been around longer just because of the progression from when they started to now. It feels like forever ago. But with that said, (laughs) and kind of in the vein of of everything that I've talked about in the past about trying to get away from third party services, specifically Google, uh, I came across this website called No More Google. (laughs) No More Google. And it is uh, right in the same ballpark as what I've been talking about in the past about finding alternatives to Google for different Google services. Um, some of this is kind of obvious, some not as obvious, but they, they go over the different alternatives to certain Google products. And so the first one that they have listed is alternatives to Google Chrome. And their number one alternative is Firefox, of course, <laughs> which I've been using for a little while now. Uh, but they also list the, you know other browsers on here. Some might be uh, obvious. They have Safari on here. Um, but basically, it goes Firefox, Vivaldi, Brave, Safari, Opera, ungoogled Chromium. So I'm just going to take a guess that that's a version of Chrome with all the Google stuff removed. But check out the website. I'll put a link in the show notes called nomoregoogle.com. Uh, they, again, they also go over replacements for Google search. Uh, top one there. And you can vote on each of these on the web page about whether you think it's a, a good alternative to the Google <laughs> product. So for Google search, DuckDuckGo is the, the top replacement for Google search. Google Chrome passwords. Uh, KeyPass was the number one <laughs> voted password replacement, which I've tried out in the past. I've talked about that in the past. Google Analytics the Matt Matimo is the the most upvoted replacement for Google Analytics analytics. And I've actually used Google Analytics in the past and uh, or I've, not in the past. I still do currently at work and for my my own website. And man, is that thing a complicated beast <laughs> anyway? So there's some alternatives if you want to, you know, take that data and, and bring it or not take it and bring it, but start using, start gathering that data somewhere else. And the Matimo, which I think is formerly Piwik, Piwik. <laughs> Either way, it's an open source analytics system that you can actually, uh, it looks like you can have it hosted on their site or you can download it to self-host it on a shared hosting. And I noticed on my uh, shared hosting, I can actually install it through Softacular uh, on my website so which is just like a a software installer on the shared hosting so that's something that I could easily set up if I wanted to stop using Google Google Analytics on my my own website I can't do it for work because they're too invested in it so (laughs) uh, it's I don't really have the option to do that but um, then they offer alternatives for Google Mail Uh, their number one is fast mail which is uh, I believe that's an open source email. Uh, it is paid service though. Uh, and Proton Mail. I've looked at Proton Mail in the past. Uh, none of these are really, for me personally, uh, maybe for you, they're an alternative to Google Mail, but they don't offer the biggest inboxes. I mean, obviously, uh, it's going to vary based on what you need. But for me, I send a lot of big PDFs and uh, it starts to add up really quickly. So uh, they also offer an ter- alternative to Google Docs. Uh, the number one there is Notion. Uh, I think that's a paid one as well. But they also offer a bunch of other services that you can use instead of Google Docs. Uh, again, pixelswim.com for the show notes and uh, to this nomoregoogle.com to kind of see m- this more in depth. So they have alternatives for Google Sheets, alternatives for YouTube, Vimeo being the number one alternative for YouTube. YouTube's a hard one to replace. Uh, that's where most of the content is online. Although it seems like a lot of YouTubers are getting more and more upset by the uh, ad 
algorithms and and stuff like that and getting demonetized so who knows these other platforms may build up but youtube is that's a difficult one to replace so they've got alternatives for adwords uh alternatives for google authenticator for alternatives for google blogger and of course the number one there is wordpress because uh, wordpress is an open source blogging platform uh alternatives for google drive and number one there is dropbox uh uh, to get anything substantial there, you'd have to pay. But they also do list Nextcloud, uh, which I've talked about here on the show in the past, to, a way to get away from Google Drive and even Calendar and Contacts as well. You can use Nextcloud to get all of that info. Uh, files, Calendar, and Cloud via Nextcloud is a good, definitely a good alternative to Google Drive. Alternative to Google Hangouts. Uh, Telegram is the number one alternative to Google Hangouts, which makes sense because Telegram definitely is a very private and uh, encrypted uh, messaging platform that some governments even have an issue with uh, how secure it is and they can't get at it and stuff like that. So definitely recommend Telegram. And they also have alternatives to Google Maps like OpenStreetMap or Here Maps. Uh, Those are good ones, too alternative to Google weather, (laughs) uh, dark sky, or looks like weather other underground. So yeah, uh, visit the site and kind of take a look through. You can actually also add an alternative if you want to submit one to the list here. Uh, And then people can upvote them as to whether or not they're sort of privacy, how privacy friendly they actually are, but a nice little resource. And I thought I'd mention it. So more and more, I think a lot of people are kind of doing the same thing I am, taking the same look I am at Google and the the direction that they're going. And so I I came across this blog post by this guy named Matthew Green called Why I'm Done with Chrome. Uh, So if you don't know, this last week, the big updates to Chrome, I actually talked about sort of the redesign of the Chrome Omnibox for Android, but along with it came some other features where essentially they were uh, not making, uh, what is it? They were logging people in to the Google Chrome browser when they logged into, say, their Gmail uh, on the web. And essentially, so Google was kind of saying in defense of automatically logging you into Chrome, when over the past 10 years, (laughs) you always had the option to not uh, do that, even if it presented you with the option, would you like to sign into Chrome? And you could just say no, but this automatically signs you into the Chrome browser, which offers up the uh, syncing of all your data. Uh, I guess it's the syncing isn't on by default uh, when you sign in to Chrome, but I mean, who's to say that's not going to change in the future? <laughs> so there's a whole blog post again by this guy named. Uh, Matthew Green, who kind of breaks down really well why it's kind of concerning that Google would make this change to Chrome to sign you in automatically and how that, you know, maybe the the uh, implications of what that could mean. Essentially, Google collects as much data as they can across as many platforms as they can. And I think it's pretty obvious why they would implement this change so they can get people who are unwittingly uh, signing into Chrome uh, to collect more of their browsing data. So all of your stuff can be pumped up into the Google cloud and into the Google brain to quote unquote, make all of our services better. And, (laughs) and my quote that I would add to that is, and doing God knows what else, who, who knows? Uh, It's it's just one of those things where I, I just, I just, you know, as I want to trust Google, I do, but I just think that something like this tells me that I shouldn't trust them. And if you tuned in last week, and here's kind of my point with all of this, is this Matthew Green, Matthew Green, is that his name? <laughs> Scroll all the way back up. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew Green, he talks about, or t- he had talked to a couple of the Chrome developers on Twitter and they gave him kind of the 
well, they knew what was going on. They 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 said that this this sign in thing was to resolve an issue, and then he kind of goes in and breaks down uh, how it didn't <laughs> didn't really solve the issue. He he also I think he says in in the article or in his post here, you know, like they don't really realize what how this makes them look uh, or that they don't, you know, they kind of did this willy nilly. I'm paraphrasing here uh, and I have to beg to differ because if you tuned in last week when I talked about the redesign of the Omnibox and if you uh, went into the medium post uh, but, uh, by the Google designer who worked on redesigning the Omnibox, you have to kind of realize after reading how in-depth they went and all of the the research and the testing and the rebuilding and, and things just for the Omnibox, I can't imagine that's, that it was any less complicated to make the decision to automatically sign people in. Basically, they knew what they were doing. Okay, (laughs) you can't tell me they didn't because everything that they do with Chrome is super, super calculated these days. Maybe not back when they originally built it. Uh, I think they built it to, you know, solve a problem and to get people to use Google more. But it's obvious that they know (laughs) that they that they knew what they were doing when they rolled out this feature. And then there was backlash to it. And I think they they may have undone that. Uh, in, a, in a recent update, but everything they do is meticulous. Uh, and again, uh, exemplified by that, the redesign of the Omnibox and how in-depth uh, she went with that. That's how I'm imagining. I, I don't think it was it was as simple as saying, hey, why don't we just have people signed in automatically? Let's just roll that out. No, there, I'm sure there's plenty of data and plenty of research for what they were going to gain from that. And uh, I think they rolled it out. And so it's just one of those things where it's like, ah, you know, and I kind of throw my hands up and I don't think so. You know, I'm, I don't like this. I don't like the idea that they can just do this kind of stuff and, and collect my data without my consent, you know, and, and people that I know, you know, that use Chrome that aren't tech savvy, they're just going to be signed in without them knowing. And so that is not cool, <laughs> not cool, Google. So again, and a lot of people are going through this. You're you're going to see more and more stuff like this as people become aware of the implications of the the depth that these companies are going to go to get your data and get what they want from you. And I've said it before on the podcast, but I think it bears saying again, uh, if if the product you're using is free, then that means you are the actual product. (laughs) And so essentially, Google serves up all of these really great free services. Obviously, there's higher paid tiers, but I'm talking about the masses here who just use the free stuff, the Gmail, the calendar, the contacts, the Google photos, all the search engine, everything, you know, they offer up all these great free services, because you are you are the product you your data and you, your patterns and and everything you do and upload and and search and and all the contacts all your emails that is the product are you that yeah that is the product your stuff is the product and so essentially all the content you're creating is the product so and google knows that and and obviously they use it you know to improve quote unquote products um, create things in their, you know, in Google Assistant, doing crazy things, uh, crazy futuristic things. But I personally, I just don't trust it. I don't trust Google anymore. I used to, but I just, I don't anymore. So uh, I'm not in any huge rush to get away from that. I don't think that, you know, they're, they're <laughs> my data is going into the wrong hands right now as we speak kind of a thing. But I don't like the direction they're going because I just, I don't, at the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line. And so I think that's what Google is more concerned with. And that concerns me. Uh, And if it doesn't concern you, then that's fine. I'm not saying that this is the definite thing. But in the way that I think and the way that I see the world we live in working, there's no reason to think that Google is exempt from 
some shady things. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> anyway, check out the show notes for that blog post and for no more google.com. All right, so let's wrap things up here. <laughs> Every time I start the the podcast, I feel like I'm only going to talk for about 20 minutes and then bam, I just roll on. But you know what? That's part of why I'm doing the podcast is I just want to get my piece out there. You know, this is an outlet for me and I just have been grateful for you and and everybody else who has been listening to me rant on about these things. So it's been a great outlet for me. I've, you know, made some friends along the way. And yeah, thanks for tuning in again to episode 37 of the Pixel Swim podcast. Go to pixelswim.com to, for the show notes and for all my social links. Feel free to leave any feedback on the show notes page and uh, reach out via any of the social media on the website. I'm on Twitter and Google Plus pretty much. <laughs> uh, I think I have my LinkedIn profile linked on the website as well but don't feel obligated to to use that one at all if you want to talk to me <laughs> you can talk to me on twitter and and google plus which is fine and works well so yeah thanks again for tuning in have a great uh bedtime or morning coffee or uh afternoon red bull or evening five hour energy <laughs> which is a terrible uh Actually, I don't know if it's here. I've never had five-hour energy. Anyway, have a great whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again and Godspeed. <laughs>